Good morning and welcome to Generation Tech. We're back! I'm Todd Brinker and I'm joined by my dad, Jack Brinker. How are you today? Oh, a little bit older every day. <laughs> As we age, all are. Think about. <laughs> Time keeps anyway, on ticking, doesn't it? Yeah, at least I'm not pushing up daisies yet. So, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Every day you wake up and you see the blue sky and you go, hey, it's another day. Hey, so. That's right. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I was just kind of thinking of what really made the headlines in, in Apple this last week. And it was all about piling up money, I guess. You know? The yeah. Big, <laughs> yeah. The big success yeah. story. And, and, and then I think back to when I was an active uh, Apple investor in and out. And how anxious I would get around this time, man! You never know what's going to happen before uh, this report has come, you know, or after, you know. Like a lot of people are ready to dump and take their profits and go home, you know. <laughs> and mm -hmm. but not all. There's others, you know. So the, uh, uh, the the media interest is mostly listening to what other people think is the right thing to do at this point in time, you know. And it's all it's always mm -hmm. some on both sides. Yeah, it's hard to ever, you know, a consensus you you notice immediately in the stock price, but oftentimes that that doesn't happen. But every once in a while it does, man. It's just a sudden consensus, and after the event like that, they'll just everybody dump it, you know, the next day. Yeah, and, yeah. I think everybody expected that that the price would go up because they did so well, and so everybody said quick sell, or they had it set up to automatically sell on that day because they figured there was going to be great news. And the exact opposite yeah. happened because everybody said sell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's a that's a strange yeah. game. You know? It is because you're 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 measuring not the value of the stock or the value of the company, but people's perceptions. And that's exactly. what drives everything. And so and, you and, have and to then and, 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 and we're all a bunch of emotions, right? So that's really oh, yeah. the, the that's 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 the real problem. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Well, and and then the 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 big institutional investors can drive lots of things different ways too and and you know, they have uh, there's advantages there that, that the average guy doesn't have. So it, the the whole game is is kind of weird, you know. Yeah. It's 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 definitely but, but that's uh, why everybody that's why everybody loved that event this last year. I forgot what the uh, stock was, but it was that game company. Uh that uh, store, game store, wasn't it? Or, oh yeah, GameStop. That GameStop, yeah. And and the guy, just about every investor knows how how that works at the at the uh, you know the big traders. And so mm -hmm. it was wo wonderful to see them beat at their own game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Common guys ganged up and said, "We'll show you." Yeah, and <laughs> and it worked to a T. It just worked to a T. Yeah. So, anyway. That, Although the thing is, is that a lot of those institutional investors are people's retirement accounts and things like that. So it's like, you know, it, it worked oh, yeah. to a T and it probably hurt <laughs> as many people as it helped. So, you know, it's like, yeah. 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 But uh, anyway. Yeah. Uh, so I noticed one of the things that you posted. 
you you were sending out um, some links on things that you uh, had had been reading about, and one of them was a an article in Fast Company saying that the smart home is flailing as a concept because it sucks. Um, I think it has issues. Yeah. I have a lot of smart home stuff in my house, more than the average person. And uh, I notice in reading in reading through this article that this person is doing a lot of their smart home stuff. And they're using their uh, their Amazon Echo to control it. And uh, I personally removed all the Echoes from my house. And I had several of them. Uh, once I started reading about how they were going to take your Wi-Fi and share it, even though they gave you an option to opt out, I don't trust them. I think they'll opt me back in every time they upgrade the software. They upgrade the software automatically in the background. So I don't know when it's happening. So I just said, you know what? They say they're going to do this. I don't trust them. I don't want them sharing my stuff. Technically, it's a violation of my uh, user agreement with my internet service provider. So I took all the Amazon stuff out of my house. And I think therein lies part of the problem is that while the smart home is not perfect, the Amazon and Google smart home is even less than perfect. I don't buy anything unless it's um, HomeKit compatible. Uh, and in fact, now I don't buy anything that's that's not HomeKit compatible and Thread compatible because I want that Thread radio in there so that I have a, a mesh connection for my devices, and things work much better when you do that. But there's issues. Yeah, you know, I, I, I it's not I perfect. Really, I, I think from a public per, uh, perspective, it's a it's a mess because there are three competing outfits. You know, yeah, and they they all go. Uh, enough different and they're not you know compatible in many ways uh and so that therein lies a lot of confusion just the, yeah. the whole concept of home kit is a bit confusing because a lot it's it's a new idea a lot of people don't really uh haven't given much thought to what is a really a an important thing to have a really must have kind of thing versus a, right you know a game play you know just tweak in the technology because up early on in any of these kinds of things, there's a bunch of stuff that's really, you know, kind of crap. <laughs> oh, absolutely. You know, and, and well before there was, you know, before Amazon, Google, and, and, and Apple got involved, there were smart homes. Um, yeah. You know, the, the, what 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 they've added is the voice assistant to help you control it. But there were smart homes, and, and there was two or three different competing technologies then. So it's it's been a, a quagmire of lots of stuff that didn't necessarily all work together. And only in the last yeah. year have the three big ones uh, come together and said, hey, we're going to um, sort of agree on a single wireless smart home protocol that will work, that we can all use, and then we don't have to worry about People won't have to worry about, well, does it work with this one or does it work with that one or how does it work? And, you know, you'll be able to just right. buy something, plug it in and have it work. But we're, that's just been introduced. There's only a few few items out there that even support that. So, yeah, you know, but, it's, you know, I've it's slow. Even, even Apple's approach to it with now with a lot of automation uh, added uh, and stuff, uh, people... Uh, as soon as they see there's automation there, if they're not a programmer or never done any of that stuff before, they're saying, holy cow, I didn't want this. That's more complexity, stuff, more stuff I have to learn. Yeah, now, well, but you I'm don't have sure to learn any of it. Right. You don't have to learn anything. But, you can plug it in. You don't have to automate it or, or but, use the multi-step automations, the, the, the uh, um, what is it, the sh uh, shortcuts app, Siri shortcuts. You don't have well, to at all. That's right, but... But by and large, you don't get a lot of the benefits then either. You no, know? I disagree. 
I disagree. I think that if you just install it and and scan in the little uh, logo for HomeKit and and now it's in HomeKit, you can go into the HomeKit app. You can say turn th- you know tell it which room it's in, and then you can say turn on the lights in this room or that room or whatever, and you don't ever have to do anything more. That's it. It works the way you want. Yeah. You know. Now, well, if you wanted to, if you want to set things up so that lights come on automatically at certain times. Um, then, then it's a little bit more complex, but it's not programming by any stretch. You know, you you yeah. can go yeah. in and tap on it, and and, and there's uh, within the HomeKit uh, app, there's automations that you can do very easily, and it's simply just like setting a timer. You can have things, you know, say I want it to come on at this time and go off at this time on these days, and that's that's as yeah. complex as it gets. Now you can you can get very tricky. You can get to the point where you say I want you know. At dusk or 15 minutes after dusk, I want these lights to come on. I want them to stay on for a certain number of hours. Then I want you to dim them. I want you to turn them to a more yellow color. You know, you can, you can get much more specific if you want to be. You can dive into it, but it's not required by any stretch. Yeah. You, you know what I think is needed for, for this? is and, and maybe it's out there because I haven't really researched it. And that's basically uh, a, uh, some little fairly short presentation of a scenario you know where this kind of could have some understanding in other words a little bit of educational uh video if you will uh that basically says this you know that that highlights how this stuff uh what it can do for your life you know and it just sets the scene and says here's here's the thing and and how easy it is to do now it's not if, you sp- you if you if you spent but- just a few minutes looking, you would find that there's multiple things like that on YouTube. Each of the major app uh, vendors of the of the controlling systems, being Apple, Google, and and Amazon, have the have videos talking about their their systems and how they work. And then each of the vendors of the of the light bulbs and of the switches, almost every one of them has a you know two to four minute video explaining how easy it is to use and what it does for you. And so mm-hmm. there's there's tons of information plus if you, if you I know it's it's it sounds horrible but if you actually want to read they also have all that stuff in written format. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, yeah. mo- most people uh, get their information on videos these days. Yeah, there's speak. less and less readers out there. And you know what, sometimes the videos are are much more helpful because they can show you instead of just tell you. I was actually right. doing some work on my truck uh the other day and I needed to um, there was a, a switch that controlled the the speed control on on the steering wheel that was broken it was literally cracked on the front of it it didn't work and so I bought a new one online it only cost me like $25 uh, and then I went and got a, found a video on YouTube for actually my year of vehicle and it walked you through the steps but you know it, seeing them and showing you where the screws are you need to, to take out, and then you have to pull off the steering wheel. Seeing all that stuff was much better than trying to read and describe it. You know, back in the days when you had the, um, uh, what was the name of that company, the Hayes Manuals, you know, that you could buy the, the on how to fix your car uh, with, yeah. with line drawings yeah. and stuff. Um, well, it was much better well, than that. Well, the real problem with, uh, with verbal descriptions has to do with the background uh, pre uh, the assumptions that you make about people's knowledge uh, right and, and that has that, and a lot of it just has to do with naming things I've seen articles talking about things and he says he he, give, he has a name for something and you know he means something 
but you really don't yeah. know what that is yet. Yeah. You know, and he has, just connect the Frattenstat, and you're like, great, what's the Frattenstat, and where is it? <laughs> right. And so that's that's what the video just does so much better. It just says, here it right. is. Look at it. Yes. <laughs> this is yeah. what we call it. Yeah, yeah. It's like get a small flat screwdriver, pop this cap off right here. See this? This. Pop it off like this. Plop. Underneath there's a screw. Now you need a, a Phillips screwdriver. Put your Phillips screwdriver. Turn it clockwise. You know, like, and and that's pretty much how the video goes. You know, it's like it's they show you right here. This is what you're gonna do. There's one on either side. Pop these off. Underneath is a bolt. You know, it's a ten millimeter whatever. You know, yeah. And in fact, so, in, in fact, I've gotten so used to the fact that even if i'm considering buying something very often i would like to look at the user's manual and that's usually online and so i can yeah. look at the user's manual before i even buy it so that i understand more about what's uh, what's going on you know yep. i do the same i look at the user's manual on a lot of things to see exactly because um, that really tells you how it works and what it does and doesn't do right you know, and how, and what the trouble is of setting it up, you know, the difficulty. So um, right. I'm with you. I, I like seeing the user's manual. I don't know. I guess in, in to go back to this article, you know, the, the, some of the things he complains about, he, he has a, um, a uh, thermostat, the same one that I have, and he complains that sometimes it just gets stuck on one temperature. I've never had that happen with mine, you know, so I can't explain. I, I can't relate there. My thermostat works fine. It works just like any thermostat. In fact, it works better than most because it is a smart thermostat. In fact, it kind of learns and says, hey, during this time of day, you seem to be in this place or that. And in fact, the thermostat has uh, uh, has thermometers, basically little wireless thermometers in different places in the house. And yeah. there, there are sensors in there. To t- and so they can tell if somebody's in the room in that room. And if nobody's in there, then it doesn't count the temperature of that room to in its calculation of, of what the temperature is of your house. So so if there's a room that's getting warm but there's nobody in it, then it doesn't it says, Well go ahead and let it get warm. We'll make sure we'll we'll only look at the temperature of rooms that have people in them because that's what's important. Um and yeah. you know, I and it and it works very well that way. And I've never had a problem with it. Um so, you know and and it's Excellent. you know, it's home kit compatible. So I can I can use the app that came with it to change it. I can use HomeKit to go in and, and change it, or I can, you know, speak out loud to Siri from my phone or my watch or my iPad or my computer or my HomePod and turn it on or off or change the temperature. Yeah, I, I, I can see what you, exactly what you're saying, Todd, but not everybody has success because sometimes there are hardware failures. And, Absolutely. And sometimes you, they are dead on arrival, you know, and, yeah. and then people will get frustrated you know because now you're dealing with something that you're a little unsure Mm -hmm. about in the first place because it's sort of sort of new you know unless you had you know prepared yourself by really researching it well uh so you know all this stuff takes a little bit of knowledge a little bit of background yeah no you're right and i am i am far above average when it comes to you know understanding the technology and, and my willingness to to mess with it to make it work if there's a problem um yeah but but the thermostat i mean now here's the here's here's a line that i can draw there's probably a lot of people who would not be willing to take a thermostat off a wall and put a new thermostat on period you know there's wires there i don't know what those wires do i don't want to do that right now 
they have pretty good instructions that come with it to tell you, hey, because sometimes thermostats have, have, you know, two wires, some have three, some have four, and it tells you how to use those and where to attach them. I mean, it, the instructions are actually pretty good. But I can understand, yeah. you know, a lot of people just going, well, I'm not going to do that. I'll call somebody, you know, right. <laughs> before I do that, <laughs> you know, and that. And that's fine. You know, it's, it is what it is. I understand that. I put it on myself. Didn't have any trouble. Um, but again, you know, it, I, I'm, I'm not average when it comes to that. I get that. I understand that. But, you know, once it's in and, and, and working, um, you know, for the most part, it works pretty well. I will say there is one thing about HomeKit that has bothered me regularly. And apparently this is not, um, not unique to HomeKit. But devices, every once in a while, when you pick up your, well, two things. One is when you, when you go to the HomeKit app, regardless of which, where you're doing it, um, uh, very often there's a period of time where your device just underneath it says updating. So it's trying to connect to the device to say, you know, hey, are you there yet? And I guess that makes sense that there would be a moment where there's sort of a ping back and forth to verify there, you know, it's there and what status it's in. Is it on? Is it off? Is it, you know, whatever. So that the control software should have, you know, it'd be nice if it was a little more instantaneous, but I understand it's never going to be perfect. But the thing that bothers me more is that on semi-regular occasion, and this is still the case, um, it's gotten better, but it still happens, if not daily, weekly. Uh, one device or another underneath it will say in in bright red, no response. So it's just not talking. And I don't know why it's not talking. I don't know what it's doing. Uh, sometimes if you tap on it to do something, it go it, it starts working. So clearly it was talking, but, but for whatever reason, the HomeKit software was reporting it is not talking. Um, or sometimes it just doesn't work and it won't talk. And, you know, if you go over and unplug it and plug it back in, it works fine. Um, it, I just need, you know, and, and it, and it doesn't seem to be the same devices all the time and it yeah. doesn't happen all the time, but I will tell you that every once in a while after like a, when, when you get like that little point update in your software, something changes and suddenly it's a problem. A bunch of my devices won't connect and then they'll be fine for a while, you know, and, and I, and that. He he's in absolutely right in the article. It's it's irritating because it's not. There, there's no feedback. There's no like, hey, this thing's having trouble connecting, or you know, there's this this thing needs to be reset, or this thing. It's just it's either there or it's not, and and it's not enough that it bothers me. It's it's come comes down to when I was managing a large system development like an ICBM. And uh, intercontinental and, ballistic missile for those who don't know what ICBM means. Yeah, and <laughs> and and, ba- and basically, uh, one word captures it all, and that's reliability. And what that means oh, yeah. is, is there's uh, in in an electronic hardware sense, uh, you count connectors because every connector has the possibility of being faulty, you know, uh, and that's usually where failures are, and. Uh, when it comes to uh, systems like a network, then you count nodes. Okay. Right. When it comes to software reliability, you count feedback. Where the your system talks to the device on a regular basis and has good 
understanding of its status at all times. It's, you know, it's either talking, not talking, and then has some functional interests that are brought, brought mm -hmm. in by the software so that it can consolidate that so, and have a overall system picture and a uh, picture of the overall system uh, activities and performance. So uh, reliability is, a, is a, not a trivial thing. Well, yeah, in this specific case, in this specific case, I think part of the issue is that you can get radio interference within a house. A lot of things reflect off walls and, and some things pass through walls, but most signals are weaker when they go through walls. You know, your Wi-Fi is not a, a perfect thing. And if they turn the power up such that it was, then it probably wouldn't be healthy for you and your pets. And so, you know, there's a certain level of power that each of these things are allowed to do to have. And I think that um, the uh, thread radios make things much better because now things can connect point to point to point to point within a home. Right. So it makes much more sense than everything having to talk back to your hub, which is what it was previously. And you were using either Wi-Fi or Bluetooth, and they both have a lot of limitations, especially in houses that have walls and hallways. And some house, you know, there's there's electrical running through there, which is putting up interference inside your walls because that's where you run your power is inside your walls in a home. And so I really think it's a, a problem or a, a conversation about, um, you know, signal interference is what it is. And, and mm -hmm. you know, to understand what that is and how that is, that's that's a fairly... Um, it's a fairly specific skill set and requires fairly good understanding of, of, of the and, and tools of understanding how signals bounce around within a space. And, you know, it can be resolved. You just have to spend some time working at it. And like I said, it's gotten to the point where it doesn't happen that often for me. And I think the thread radios, and that's part of the reason I said right at the beginning of this, is that I've switched to using thread-based uh, devices everywhere I can. And in fact, slowly over time, um, I want to replace some of the other stuff, you know, that doesn't do thread and just get it out of the house. And it's still perfectly good and, and I'll, you know, give it or, or, or sell it to people. Um, but the, um, the thread solution is the better solution in the long run. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just the idea of, of you know that that thing that sits at the front of your house that always is seem to be flakily connected, instead of having to reach all the way back to the hub, can now connect to the thing that's right on the other side of the wall from it, and that thing can connect to the thing that's across the room from it, and that thing can connect to the hub because it's you know fifty feet closer, and so or twenty feet closer or whatever the size of your room is, and so it's just. Yeah. The, the, the interconnectivity of the thread radio and the simplicity of how it builds that that um, sort of self-healing mesh network that you don't have to do any setup on makes that technology so much better. And that's why uh, Apple, Google, and, and Amazon have all agreed to support that as the new standard for connectivity. Yeah. Let, let me and that's going to solve a lot my, of problems. Let me tell you what my measure of success is in the home uh, concept, the smart home concept. And that's when the home manufacturers themselves have somebody on their staff who designs and integrates and pulls all this together as a feature of their home, demonstrates right. it to you in their model home. When you walk into your home, all you have to do is for your device, load the app on, yeah. and you're up and running. 
And yeah. and at that point, and at that point, the being supported by the home builder, uh, it, yeah. it's got to have all these features that we're talking about. You know, the, that right? It's a reliable yeah, system. and and I wouldn't build a house today without building it in personally. You know, yeah. like in, right now on 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 a lot of outlets, I have smart switches plugged into the outlet, and then whatever is plugged into that. But it should just be the outlet that should just be built into That's the house. Right. It should be smart, and yeah. and and they don't I, have to. Think, and, and what they don't have to even connect via wireless, quite frankly, because they're plugged into the you know the outlet itself is running on on wires. You can run connectivity across the wires with the power, so that they have perfect connectivity. Right, and nobody's yeah. doing that. They're doing smart, smart switches and smart outlets, but they all still talk back to your hub somewhere wirelessly. And it's like, why? You should take your smart hub and have it plugged into the power, and it should then be able to talk to all those things that are plugged in directly across the electrical system. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I put the article in there because I've thought about this whole thing. Enough mm-hmm. that I, I realize that uh, there are ways yet from from having uh, a good enough system that you can really go out and sell these things and and not feel it, it's, you're taking a risk at doing it. You can give right. people some real nice services uh, and and people people will be demanding them. That's that's what will sell homes at some point. Right. You know? Well, and it's I think that that it depends on the builder. When I built a home 20 years ago they had home automation stuff that you could build into your house but it was really bad it was just it was why bother um it is to the point now where i think they look at it and go why build it in you can just add it yourself if you want it because it's available and so i think most of the builders look at it and go you know we build houses we're not electric we're we're not uh tech guys and so they look at it and say you know Buy your your Google Alexa or Siri device and just do what you want. Let let, let me suggest another thing. I think it, it'll be a, a new business. There will be home automation businesses. It, you know, because it's a complex enough thing, and you're wanting wanting to include quite a few things. Is that you should be able to instead of going out and buy onesie, twosie, threesies, is to s- sit down with somebody who knows what all the options are. And you know, and a price list, and they'll install them and get them ready for you. Right. And you just pay the price. You know. Yeah, those and businesses I, I do exist. A, yeah. Yeah, there's and, people and who do that. You can go find people who do that. Uh, but they're not very prominent. There's no national brand. Oh right, yeah. There's not like a national company that says, "Hey, you know, call, call Orkin and he'll come, you know, kill your bugs and install your smart home." But but I think there will be. You know, they'll they'll be connected mm-hmm. maybe some somehow to the existing stuff, uh, heating and air conditioning companies. Maybe it'll be a, right. uh, a central part of it uh, because they're already at the home, uh, and now yeah. you're just tying well, and that all together. I know that heating and air conditioning companies are already installing smart thermostats for people because there's a lot of people who, unlike me, won't go run the wire or you know wire it in themselves. Um, and so they're, you know, they're when, when they come out to work on your air conditioner, that's an op, you know, a service they provide is, hey, we'll install a new thermostat for you. And if you're interested, we've got, you know, these smart ones and here's what they do. And here's why they're, you know, different and or better than than just a regular 
thermostat. Um, yeah. And so that's that piece they're already starting to do. My experience with most of those people is that they are um, more mechanical type minded people than electronic type people. They can wire in the power. They can wire in the thermostat. Beyond that, unless that particular individual installer happens to be a bit of a tech head, they're just not that that's not the right person. <laughs> They're not going to do anything beyond that to make set up your smart home for you. But um, but saying that, there's absolutely uh, no reason that that you know somebody couldn't launch a business that's doing that because it's it's um, I, I, th- I think it's right really not that hard to do these days. Right right now, there's a time that uh, uh, you'll see some of these companies being uh, formed if if they aren't yeah. already. They are already, but the question is, is how big are they and where they spread out and be like a service company? I think, honestly, you're more likely to see something like that happen, happen from the um, the Geek Squad that runs out of the uh, uh, Best Buys. Those are the people who are going to yeah. do it. You could call them up and they could, I'm sure they could, uh, there's a national company that will come and set up your smart home for you. Probably would. You're probably right. Yeah. 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 The fact of the matter is, though, that I think most people who, unless they're just really, really tech phobic, most people would watch them come out and watch them what they're watch them do the setup and go, "Well, I'm never calling them for anything again because I can plug that in and do that. That's not that hard. Setting the stuff up is really, really easy. Really is. Mm-hmm. You know, what you really need is just somebody you can call when when something doesn't work the way you want it to, or you want to go beyond just the basics." But the actual oh, but, buying of the parts and pieces and plugging them in is very easy. Yeah, but uh, the companies that would do this would that would be a, just a natural adjunct to their business is that they, oh, obviously. they have a service number, you know. Obviously, but what yeah. I'm saying is, is I, I don't think it's a long term business for them because I think many people who who are who want that some of the smart features in their home would look at the at what the um, uh, guy that did the install was doing and go. Well, that was a waste of money. I could have done that myself. Why am I paying him time to come out and do this? He literally plugged something in and then scanned a thing off of it into my phone and said, "Okay, there you go." You know, it's not that it. What I'm saying is, this, the actual setup of the devices is incredibly easy. I mean, and let's face it, even the most tech phobic person today probably has a phone with a power brick and a wire, right? And most of what you need to know on how to set up a smart home is no more complex than how to charge your phone. It really isn't. You know? Well, I mean, the instructions are like three steps long. Because literally, there's a, there's a, there's the, uh, you know, it tells you open the home app, okay? Hit the plus button. The plus button pops up and there's, and it shows you a camera view. On the view, it says, point this at this little picture, a picture like this that's on your device. You point it at it, boom. It says, okay, what room is this device in? You say, it's in my living room. Done. It's installed. Well, it that's the, that's the steps. What kind, of, what kind of service you need. You know, say I'm sitting here, uh, you know, handicapped in, in several ways. And one right. is I'd like to have my curtains that I open every morning and night. I've got six of them. Uh, uh-huh. Automated. I just like to have somebody come out here, put the little motorized uh, blind right. control thing in there, and uh, and do that for me. See, that's a totally right. physical thing, you know. 
Right. And that's, and that's, you know, there's people out there who install windows and curtains and things like that, and they will continue to do that. And they'll give you the option of, 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 you know, doing smart ones instead of manual ones if you want. And they already exist and have for quite a while. So, and, and part of it is that you may have to buy curtains that already have the automation built in there. And it may not be something you can add to your curtains. It just depends. You have to look and see what's available. Yeah. But I understand what you're saying. That makes a lot of sense. I have I have uh, two big bay windows right off my dining room, and I have big, uh, you know, two and a half inch wide uh, uh, Venetian blinds there. And so, you know, I set up. Uh, I bought them, and they were regular Venetian blinds. I found a company that has an add-in that you can actually put into them that will automate them. And yeah. so I have them open every morning for an hour or two, and then close. Just to let light in, and I've got a you know some yeah. plants sitting in there, so it's nice to get some morning light on them before the house heats up. Yep. Well, now I will see. say that that my wife hates the fact that I have those windows open every morning because she doesn't like walking by open windows in the morning. <laughs> she would <she goes, laughs> don't close those windows. Why are they opening up every morning? So, but now that she's back at school, I'll just have them open after she leaves. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's that's good. So uh, <coughs> anyway, uh, I was thinking we we probably beat that one to death, huh? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Could we possibly talk what, about that what, any less? What, what, one of the uh, other things that I threw at you is I like the things that talk about the future. What is sort of worse? Somebody thinks that Apple's headed. And that is how they package their devices and their phones by making things smaller so they can have more battery space or have uh, external batteries for those people who want longer battery life and batteries bigger deal to them, you know. And so I, I enjoy thinking about uh, how, uh, you know, we're not all the same. Buying, uh, and we don't use our devices the same way even. So. For right. a lot of people, I think there's more than enough battery in the average phone purchase as long as they get through the day and they can lay it on their charger at night and go to bed and get up in the morning and go some more, right? But that means Yeah, that, that's the key. Uh, it's just got to get through a day, and, and each person, like you said, sort of has their own use case in terms of what is their day, right? Right, right. So uh, it, some people, uh, I mean, you just... They, they use the phone so much that it's like it's on all, all day, you know? Right. Because especially salespeople or whatever, that's that's their way of communicating. And they're out on the road and probably plugged into their car and working through AirPlay or something, you know? But nevertheless, yep. uh, uh, it gets a different type of use. Now there, it can be charged. So that's not, that's a diff- that, that, that's not a big deal if they're in their car a lot. If if they're still using their phone a lot, uh, and they're not in their car, and they're not in a place where they can plug it in, then right. mobile batteries make sense. So yeah. there's there's a lot of use cases that uh, sure that 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 aren't aren't big on the grand scale of things, you know, because right th- that's that's what the average unmodified phone is designed to cover ninety percent of it, maybe. Yeah, then, yeah, it covers the day for most other. people, but but not everybody, you know, and and so 
you know, and, and of course, the bigger your phone, the bigger your battery. So you gen- generally, if you, you know, need something that's going to last longer because you're a heavy user of your phone, then you get the bigger phone. Um, but there's also a lot of people who, and, and you know, Apple just recently released their, their uh, MagSafe battery pack that snaps to the back of their phones. Um, and Anchor makes a, a competing product that does the same thing. But my question is, you know, the, like the Apple Apple battery packs a hundred dollars, and the Anchor one's fifty dollars. And I guess, you know, I guess snapping it onto the back of your phone is interesting. But people have for years now been able to just carry a little battery pack in their pocket or purse or briefcase or backpack or whatever, and just plug it into the phone and charge it up. And those, you know, you can get those as cheap as twenty bucks. You can buy those in gas stations now. So it's like, I look at that and go, well, it's nice for a hundred bucks, but it's also incredibly inefficient in the way that it's going to charge because it's using, you know, wireless charging on the backpack, you know, and sticking on with magnets. You could probably charge much quicker and much more efficiently and waste less of your battery power by just plugging it in with a wire. And I I know that that's, you know, that's in, in, in Apple's world, they want to get rid of that, but okay. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it works well, and works better. It works and it works better. I don't understand. Like, right now, if you buy a an iPad Pro or the iPad Air, you can use their smart keyboard and it attaches and it you don't have to use any Bluetooth or, or any power because the keyboard draws its connection and its power from the iPad through, what is it, I think there's four little dots on the back of the iPad that are a connector. Right. And they're flush with right. the iPad they don't stick out at all. They don't stick in at all. Um, you don't notice them in any way, shape, or form, and, and yet they perform this great function. Why doesn't Apple do that? You don't have to have that hole for the lightning port on the bottom of it. Just have a flat set of connectors that, that the case can pass through so you can use it on your case, uh, and then you're connecting, and you're, and you're much more efficient. I, I just the, the, This whole wireless thing that makes no sense to me at all. Well... That's a uh, difference between signal I use power it. and and and, uh, and power power. <laughs> you know, electrical power. How many amps are you going to put through that little connector? You know, yeah. Or well, microwave? I mean, it's that, yeah. that, that's yeah. what makes yeah. that, makes that trade off. Yeah, the but but a physical connection is going to be able to make better transfer of energy with less. Um, uh, um, you know, creation of, of residual heat than the wireless functionality, right? I, yeah. I mean, it's just uh, the, the, the physics the only, of that only, aren't going to change. The only way you can really work that trade-off, Todd, is to have uh, data, you know, what the actual numbers are. And, and I don't yeah. have the data on, on how efficient some of those processes are. And, right. Uh, uh, well, all I've got to say is, I mean, I you know, if I, I don't have to know these specifics to know that the the physics say that you're going to be more efficient with an actual conductor attached to something rather than than trying to send it through the back of my leather case. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, it just, but, you know, but, that, but but the but the reason is that that, that they do it is is that. They don't want you having to jam something in the phone. <laughs> right. They want convenience. But that's what I'm saying is, you, you know, you can have, they already, they already have a solution. They're using it 
to power keyboards on other devices that they sell? Why aren't they using that solution? I don't understand that. Well, to me, it just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And if they're using, you know, and, and the question would be, well, you know, it's harder to align those three little metal dots. Well, you know what? They've got all kinds of magnets that force it to align the way you want. They're already using those for the wireless one, too. You know? Yeah. And well, so. They, 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 they may evolve to that. You know, they're yeah. bringing back the old, uh, what are they, what's the magic word for Ma- magnetic line power plugs? The. Uh, <laughs> Oh, the MagSafe. MagSafe, yeah. Yeah, but the MagSafe they're bringing back is wireless. They're using the Qi charging for, for, at least on the phones they are. We'll see what they do on the laptops. Uh, it, would, it, seemed, it would seem ridiculous to me to do wireless charging there. Um, now, I guess wireless charging from a power, power source is not so bad because, like, if I'm plugging it into AC and, and then, you know, slow charging or wireless charging to my phone... It that I guess makes more sense because you're you've got essentially unlimited power coming from the wall, but to take a battery pack which only has a certain amount of current in it or a certain amount of energy in it, and and snap that onto the back of a phone and say now we're going to use a less than efficient means of getting the power from the battery to the phone as opposed to just making a connection doesn't make any sense to me. To me that seems foolish. How much of the power in that battery pack are you losing in heat? I, I, I don't know. That's why and I'm I don't saying. know the answer either. Without, I don't know the answer, without, but I know it's more its more than it would be if there was a connection. Without data, your engineering doesn't work. <laughs> right, absolutely. But I'm just saying the physics the physics work with or either, you know, regardless of what, yeah. what what I'm thinking about, the physics are going to work. And you can't tell me that that wireless connection of a battery pack, which only has a certain amount of energy in it, is not going to lose more energy trying to transmit that power to the phone wirelessly than it would if it had a conductor. Yeah, but but there are numbers that go with each of those, right? Right, and they're and they're making trade offs, and they may look at it and say the difference is not so great that we're concerned about it. And I and I do I, I've listened to a podcast of somebody who has both the Apple and the Anchor uh, MagSafe battery packs, and the Anchor yeah. is a uh, like I think they they I can't remember the the exact numbers, but uh, the Anchor is a larger battery, and he said that the Anchor when it's on the back of the phone gets warmer. I suspect that Apple is one way Apple is managing this with their MagSafe battery pack is that they are charging more slowly and so they're not letting it heat up as much. You know, they're they're managing that as smart as they can so they're losing less of their energy to heat so they can get a get by with a smaller battery. But it probably doesn't charge as quickly. But also because they own both sides of it, they run the phone and the battery pack, it's probably much smarter in how it uses that energy. That's exactly what I was going to say. You know, and today, so, and so, so they can get by with a much smaller battery. Right. Yeah. And so I'm sure they're, being, they're, they're, making it, they're taking every opportunity they can to be efficient in the way they're doing it. No matter what they're doing, it's still not going to be as efficient as actually having a conductor. But, but it, but they're, I, I'm sure they're looking at it and saying the trade-offs are worth it and that we've got it so, so that our, our power loss is minimal. I'm, 
I mean, um, let's face it. There, Apple's looking at it from a marketing standpoint too. You know, it's another feature. Oh, absolutely. That sells phones. You know. Absolutely, so, uh, and I'm sure you know a, that, that. Like the trade-off, but that's that's part of the considerations for trade-off. Is you know, it's much yeah. cooler to have something that goes and sticks onto the back of your phone with a magnet. And uh, that was the magnet sound, by the way. That <laughs> and uh, uh, and you know, and and that's that that's cool, right? And so that's what they that's what they want to. You know, that was a, the whole building of this this device was predicated on the fact that it was going to work that way. That's how it's going to work, guys. So now let's make it as efficient as uh, as efficient as possible. You know, so. I just I just I just love things like you know when you say battery, it automatically mm-hmm. conjures up in somebody's mind a bunch of uh, chemical reactions inside of a little brick here. That, uh, <laughs> it does in somebody's normal. mind, in an engineer's mind, maybe the rest of the world. That's not what pops up in their mind at all. <laughs> well, <laughs> but okay, <laughs> but, 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 but but I'm an engineer, and and I, I think know of batteries like uh, pumping water into a higher dam, so that when I'm ready to use it, the energy is potential energy I convert back into uh, electricity. You know, that's right. a battery. Yeah. Know? So my, my whole thing is is how do you store energy? <laughs> right and go back Absolutely. to the fundamentals yeah and yeah that's not how most of the world views it though <laughs> most people when you say battery I think they think of like a little Tootsie Roll shaped thing that's what they think about but, yeah. but anyway I'm, I'm just telling you there's not a hydroelectric project out there that doesn't do doesn't have a storage cap- capacity just as I described it may not oh, be that, as big yeah, as you that think is it. it. Might be. That's it. It's the water behind the dam. That is the storage capacity. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 In fact, I think it was so. you who once talked about the fact that you know, if you um, if you have a home uh, electric generation system, that any excess energy should be used to pump water up into a tower, so that when when your home generation system's not working, whether it be solar or wind or whatever that the water can now be run back down out of the power out of the tower and s- continue to spin the generator so you can have power at night you know or power when the wind's that's, not blowing that's a fairly inexpensive battery and is very effective you know yeah and, uh, yeah no in fact in terms of efficiency it's it's very effective but the problem and, and, and it and solves the problem as you said a lot of these uh, new and I call them new and they'll uh, uh uh, it's not the right term. They're uh, environmental energy sources like solar and and uh, uh, wind. They, they're mm-hmm. intermittent. You know, they don't work all the time. So you actually right. have to have that storage on site. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Your hydroelectric dra- dam works twenty four seven. Your your solar works. You know what? Maybe eighteen out of uh, and and not full efficiency even at the at the you know, ends of it, but 18 out of 24 right. hour days, maybe if that 24 hours and in the winter, much less than that. Right. In the summer you get more. Right. Yeah. Wind it comes and so, goes. That's so, <laughs> the nature of wind. So yeah, yeah, you've got to have some way of storing that stuff and chemical batteries are not always the most efficient way to do it. You know, although I know that that's one of the things that, you know, Elon Musk's, uh, uh, solar city pack isn't solar city was the one that was his anyway. It's, I guess it's owned by Tesla now, so it's Tesla. Uh, but they do it through battery packs. They, you know, mm-hmm. they literally sell a home uh, power wall that you attach right. somewhere to your house or to a shed or something, and uh, 
and it charges those batteries up so that you have then power overnight with an inverter so you can get AC. Right. But that, that right. process costs you energy too, right? So. Oh, yeah. But uh, anyway, it's, it's the inter- what's interesting in, in an article like this is it brings up a lot of the different parts of the trade-off uh, for how yeah. you do things as a system, you know? So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anyway. everybody needs their own well and water tower. Right. Uh, <laughs> let's see. I I put another uh, thing in here that I let's see where is it? Where is it? Yeah. What's the next thing oh, you want to talk about? The, oh, there, there there's several of them that relate to some software that some people have brought out that uh, that I thought were kind of fa- fascinating, like this fitness view all in one health and fitness dashboard. They're basically, oh, uh-huh. it's, a, it's an app that combines data all in one app in a much more, you know, seems logical uh-huh. way. I don't like to say right. that yeah. so, have this, right? You know? Right. So, so you I'm can gonna, look at HealthKit. You look at HealthKit, but there's other apps that maybe provide all of that information to you in a way that's a little bit um, more understandable. Because Apple's got the health app and the fitness app, and they both sort of do different things. Um, but, yeah. yeah, you know, it's like, w- what is... What is it in terms of what you want? And that's the nice thing about providing the, the infrastructure there with HealthKit is that, that other apps can, can use that data to, to show it to you in different ways or to help you measure different things. Um, right. But it can be coming from multiple different places, right? From, from uh, you know, sleep monitors to, to your, you know, your Apple Watch to if you have, you know, blood pressure monitors or... or uh, you know, blood sugar monitors, all that stuff can be of interest to you. There's an app that I like that um, I've used, and I'm trying to see if I can find it here, um, that basically takes the, uh, it's called My Trends Plus, and it takes the um, information, the, the, the rings from the Apple Watch, and it gives them to yeah. you over a period of time. And so you can scroll back and see what, you know, just it, it, it basically it's what you see is on the left side is the, com- the combo of the three rings. And then there and then and so there's four columns and then each of the other columns is one of the rings. And so, for instance, like the the stand ring right now for me, the stand ring says I'm on a streak of 119 days where I have stood for at least 12 hours during the day, which I think is kind of cool. You know, and you can yeah. click on it and find yeah. out what, you, what, how many, how much you uh, you average in terms of standing, how many exercise minutes, you know, how many uh, days, like my movement uh, ring. I have, a, I just yesterday didn't move enough, and so I ended an eight day streak of making all of my move goals. You know, <laughs> yeah. And so it was Sunday. I wasn't moving very much yesterday. <laughs> when I got up, it was I... to eat. That was. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what Apple's doing with my health things because I hardly exercise at all. <clears throat> and yet, they will, they must have lowered the standards or something. Because <laughs> I they, complete those rings sometimes and it just yeah. amazes me. I'm saying, what the heck is going on here? Yeah, they have an <laughs> algorithm that essentially adjusts your goals based on what you're doing. So they measure what you're doing, what your average is, and then they set your goals a certain percentage above that. 
And so every once in a while, if you have a day that you're, you move a little more, you're a little more active or you're, you know, then you'll hit your goals. So like uh, Elaine gets up and walks uh, a couple miles every morning. And so, you know, for her to get her move goal is much harder than for me because she moves a lot more. I've also noticed that like when my high school swim team is in season, my move goal goes way up because, you know, I spend a couple hours marching up and down a pool deck and talking and, and moving around a lot more um, every day than I would otherwise. Because I spend a lot of time at a desk, you know, and so, um, but when I'm coaching, uh, I'm up and moving more. And so, so the move goal then, you know, it's like if you, if you hit the goal several times in a row, they start inching the goal up going, Hey, that's too easy. You know, it's, well, but, but that's the, the thing I like about this, uh, my trends plus app is that I can go in and see where I've had streaks. One of the things that they do that I really like too, and I wish that Apple would do this is you can, tur- you can turn it on or off, but you have the option of saying, if I miss one day, that doesn't end my streak. So you can say, you know, and, and I think that makes sense, honestly, because, you know, if you talk to anybody who's who's uh, in, in any kind of coaching capacity or, or trainer, they'll tell you you have to have rest days. And yeah. Apple actively frustrates you from having rest days because you don't want to mess up your streak, you know, because they say, well, you didn't right. make your move goal today. And it's like, but today was supposed to be a rest day. I was supposed to be not, you know. And so they should give you the option of saying, hey, yes, I would like to be able to take one rest day every 10 days or one rest day every week or one, you know, you should be able to set that up. And right now they don't let you do that. Whereas the, uh, the tracking app here does. So maybe that's something that they'll add later. I'm interested about this, my fitness view too, though. Um, cause it does seem to give you, um, a little bit better view of what's going on and, and more clearly what your goals are, you know? Yeah, well, anyway, I, I haven't really spent time with that thing yet, the fitness view. Uh-huh. But it, 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 it intrigued me, so I thought it was worth discussing that uh, there's something yeah. out there now. Uh, it's on Flipit is the uh, app. And uh, uh, anyway, it's uh, it's got a lot of displays shown on the, on the thing and talked about the, the da- download dash uh, fitness view today. Uh, so I haven't got to that yet. Uh, so I didn't intend to review it, but just to kind of give them a little publicity. And yeah, well, I think what it it um, points out is is that that the built-in um, uh, apps aren't what you're limited to. Right. Right. That there There's are other things out there that might give you better. Um, better information or present the information that's gathered in a way that makes more sense for you. Um, I will say that it's, um, they, that it's a subscription product, which, you know, at at first when they started switching to a lot of apps to subscription products, I really didn't like that. And I'm still very careful about what I do and don't subscribe to. But if you like an app, if you really like an app, it's nice to know that the, that the, uh, creator of the app is getting some revenue and they're then incentivized to update it and to make it better regularly because you know if they sell it to you once for 99 cents uh, they probably can't afford to keep working on that app they'll go on and make something else 
but if they can yeah. say, hey, you know, it's going to cost you, you know, $15 for the entire year, that's pretty cheap. Uh, you know, nine ninety nine a month to me is pretty expensive. And a dollar forty nine. Oh, I'm sorry. It's oh, premium. Okay, here it is. I misread that. So premium monthly is a dollar forty nine. So if you want to try it for a month, you can do it for a dollar forty nine. Then you can shut it off if you want all the features turned on. Nine ninety nine is annual. So nine ninety nine for a year. Fourteen ninety nine. You've bought it one time. You never have to pay for it again. Ah. So if you yeah. like it, spend your fifteen bucks, and then you've got it. Yeah. Um, either way. You know, when you get when they update it, you get the updates. Um, well, they don't collect any data about you, which is nice. No data is collected. Um, you know, and the thing, and the thing that intrigues me is that I had one entire course in engineering school that had to do with just presentation of data, and so I uh, appreciated that probably more than uh, most people. Uh, I right, think because it's uh, it really became quite evident to me that there are uh, a lot of fundamentals to presentation that are really need to be observed, and sometimes you see even on yeah. on uh, big you know companies like Apple don't seem to right. have taken that class. You know, they they haven't kind of learned what's what's missing. Why mm-hmm. why is this better? Well, than yeah, that else? that. Human interface design has become a specialty, and I think that too often, I shouldn't say too often, very often, um, companies that are developing things, they they let their human interface designers explore a little more than they should, you know? Um, and, and, And so the problem is, is they get something that they think looks beautiful, but the functionality suffers. And I would take an ugly functional interface over a beautiful non functional interface every single day of the week, personally. Yeah. Um, you know, and, uh, and I think that's a problem that Apple in general suffers with, personally. I think that, um, you know, and the, the it got mar- really the, bad. The it got really bad in the late, late, late uh, Johnny Ive stages. And, it, and they seem to have kind of turned a corner a little bit, but I still think they sometimes make some mistakes. Um, they 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 still try to do things a little cutting edge sometimes. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with or have you tracked or heard or read anything about the the betas of iOS 15, um, which you know will be released in the fall with the new iPhones. But they've reworked the interface for Siri or not Siri for um, for Safari, the web browser. And initially, initially everybody was outraged because they they changed it around and made it just functionally unusable for a lot of people um and they've been slowly with each version of the beta backing away from that and getting it um a little bit more usable again you know kind of going okay let's let's find a happy medium here you know and sometimes you go why are you messing with it at all but i think part of it was that they wanted to move some of the control and touch surfaces from the top of the screen to the bottom of the screen because on a at least on the phone because that's where people's hands are. Right. Yeah. You know, but just because that's where they are on the phone doesn't mean you should do that on the iPad or on the um, on the laptop or on the desktop. Because, you know, I don't care if there's perfect continuity in, in like, where the buttons are moving from one device to the next. Each device you interface with differently. And so they need to look at that and uh, and understand <laughs> You know, <laughs> yeah. So, 
Yeah. One, one of the things that uh, I've been uh, troubled by lately is the have ringer or no ringer uh, thing. And I've got notices of things like, you know, I'm when I'm going to church, I don't want the dang thing to ring while I'm in church or just meetings, right. you know, you, different things. And so I set them up, but all I can do is to is to send myself a message so that when that time comes or I get to that location, the thing pops up on the screen, but I have to physically switch the dumb thing on and off. Now, mm-hmm. isn't there a, a better answer than having physical hands-on for that all the time? Yeah, there's a map and a GPS yeah. built in, right? And it should know that every time I'm at the church, it should be silent. That's right. Every time. You know, every there's time. just... there. Yeah. Yeah. And now, and the other now the other thing, especially because I have hearing aids, uh, I it, as long as I've got my hearing aids on, why does it ever have to ring the phone itself? You know, mm-hmm. well, maybe so my wife could pick it up if I ran off and left it laying there. Uh, right, that's okay. But if if I'm close enough to be connected so that I can hear with my hearing aids, it you know it ought to be. It automatic. should ring. Yeah, should just ring there, so it's not bothering anybody else. Well, yeah, it's like I have my phone on. uh, My phone doesn't ring at all. In fact, I don't remember the last. I couldn't even tell you what my ringer is because I've got it set up so when my watch is on, it just buzzes my watch. So I just feel my watch vibrate. So my watch just vibrates whenever the phone rings. And so I look at my watch to see who it is, and then I decide if I'm going to pick, you know, dig my phone out of my pocket. Or if I so if I happen to have walked off and I can't right. find my phone, I just answer it on my watch. So, so you're telling me I'm a dummy and don't know where to where to turn off the ringer of permanently. So, so phone yeah, well, I'm not. I'm just saying I I have chosen a different option than you have. That's all. I'm not 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 implying any dumbiness no. here. Um, <laughs> no, you, you may be right. See. I I just I'll have to look into that one because I I mm-hmm. like the idea of. The watch is a good thing. So is yeah. my hearing aids. You know? Yeah. So. Um, the the, the so, general business of notifiers uh, is it needs to be kind of uh, consolidated, if you will, in, in some way, so that it's simple to check, to collect together all notifiers. If it's going to notify me something, I don't necessarily need to know what it is, they can flash a screen if I've got my watch vibrating, and so I can look at my mm-hmm. watch and find out what yeah. what's going on, you know? Yeah, when my phone rings, two things happen. One is the um, the LED on the back of the, wa- of the phone flashes, and then my watch vibrates. And so what I've done mm-hmm. is under sound and haptics in settings, I've, I've turned it to vibrate on ring and vibrate on silent. So whether it's whether it's silent or not silent, it's it's not going to make any noise because I've got it vibrating instead. Yeah. Okay. And then. So. Uh, yeah, and then uh, let's see. So haptics, huh? That's where I'm supposed to. What? Automatically no. Re- my- so oh, sound and haptics, yes, and I and I and I say vibrate on ring and vibrate on silent. Okay, sound. Okay, got the word sound there. That's better than telling me haptics. Yeah, yeah. It says sound and haptics. 
Okay. Most people don't even know what haptics are. That's when you touch something and you get a response that wouldn't normally be there, right? <laughs> yeah. Like a click or something that that you when you push a key on a keyboard and you and you want to know that you're mm -hmm. pushed the keyboard, you know that it actually right. went down. Yeah. Feedback. Now the other thing that I do is go to um, on the. Uh, on the phone, there's a watch app. Yeah. And I go to sound and haptics there. And that's going to solve the problem. Huh? Okay. And then there's a couple settings. So under sound and haptics, are you there yet? <laughs> this uh, is this is just a breathtaking podcasting, right? Walking through the settings. Yeah. But we're telling people how to solve a problem. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so the first I thing is I have silent over. mode turned on. Vibrate on I have silence. Si vibrate on What? Print, on, right? Vibrate. That's, yeah, that's under settings and uh, uh, sound and haptics on the phone. Then go to the watch app and go oh, to settings general. Yeah, on the watch app. Not on the watch itself, but on the watch app on the phone. Oh, watch app on the phone. Now, okay, let's see. Touch a W and it'll appear up here. And there it is. And now, okay. notifications. Settings, sound, and haptics. Settings, sound, and haptics. Oh, settings. I'm in phone, and where's settings? Go down here at the bottom. Uh, Oh, I'm sorry. It's uh, so it's just in phone. Then go to sound and haptics. So it's about halfway down under, like at the top is the faces. Then it goes notifications, oh, app view, doc, general, cellular, blah blah blah. Down to sound and haptics. I got you. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Silent, so silent mode's on. Silent mode is on. Then haptic yeah. alert alerts. Yes. Is on. Okay. Yep. Now below haptic alerts is default and prominent. I put prominent on. That means that it's a stronger haptic, so I feel it more. The default was too was subtle, and I just wanted something that oh. really buzzed me. So I put prominent. Okay. Okay. And that should that should do it. What's crown haptics? Um. So when you turn the crown on the watch, the little wheel, you'll feel it go as you turn it. Oh, I got you. Cover to mute. Mute the Apple Watch by resting your palm on the display for at least three yeah. seconds. Well, gee, that's going to make a heck of a racket then, huh? So, well, you'll get three seconds of noise if it's making noise. But if you're, it, but what that says is, is that like if you're going into church, you don't have to go to any settings or anything you want. You can just place your hand over your watch, hold it there, one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi, and now it's silent. Ah, yeah. Okay. But that doesn't matter because you basically have it silent anyway. Yep. Okay, so maybe uh, now, what what if uh, about the notifiers, I have these clocks that set, send the notifiers at the certain times for the services that I go to or the meetings that I go to. Uh, uh, do I still want to set, tell those to notify me? I guess not. I think this works, right? 
Well, I don't know. I think those those are oh to notify you to turn off your sound certain, and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you when you want to have that notification, yeah. Right. It, yeah. Yeah. You don't need party. something reminding you to to silence anything because it should be silent now. Uh, but I want the notification. Right. Want the notification for why? If the if everything's going to be silent already, then do you need to note what oh. do you need to be notified for? Okay. Uh, well, in case I forgot it, how how is what's it going to when I when I feel the vibe? I'm not going to get a notice, right? It's nothing readable. That could be several reasons for this this vibration. It just it'll 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 vibe, and it could be that your phone's ringing, which means it'll keep vibing. It'll vibe like once for a notification if you got a notification. But you can look yeah. at your watch, and it'll tell you why it's vibing. Oh, as long as I've got the notifier there, yeah. So right. I still want the notifier. It's just that I don't want it to tell me to silence the phone. But the notifier is to tell you to silence the phone, so turn off that notifier. It's already silenced. That's true. So the notifier was to do something manually that you're now taking care of automatically. Automatically. So you don't need yeah. the so you don't need those those notifiers anymore. Now, one last question: Do you like it to have the LED flashing when your phone rings? I think you said it was doing that, right? When you got any kind of alert, your LED would flash. That's correct. Okay, I think you turned that on last time I was visiting because you saw I had that on and you liked it. Yeah, well, at night, it's kind of cool. Yeah, well, <laughs> and I notice it even during the day. You know, of course, it doesn't help you if you lay your phone down uh, with the face up because right. then it's, you know, but but I like it because, yeah, it's like I very often my phone is sort of leaned up against something, so I see that flash. And, yeah, at night, definitely it lets you know, hey, the phone's ringing. Um Although well, I, I have like my phone, lay, I, I like to lay was, it down on the face unless it's charging. You know, I put it on the charger most of the time at night. So right, but uh, but otherwise, yeah. if I've just got it laying there, I'll turn it over for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah, mine is on a uh, on a stand that sits it upright, so I can see the screen if it comes on. But the yeah. stand doesn't go all the way the full length of the phone. And so the LED sticks out the top, so I, it flashes against the wall across from the bed. So it's I still see it flashing, even though it's not flashing in my face. Um, uh. But uh, uh, I have I also have my phone set up so that I have Do Not Disturb come on in the evening and go back off automatically in the morning, so it doesn't uh, my phone won't ring at that time. Um, however. If an emergency call is needed, if somebody calls me twice in a row from the same number, then it'll ring on the yeah. second one. Yeah, and I've told my that daughters that. Point. So it's like, if you call me at night, call twice. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Right. Okay. Uh, here's another one. Uh, how do, When you have something automatically silenced, is there a way to turn off the silence mode do you, do you is, is there a case where you want it to ring like if somebody's calling uh you you have to now notice notice that other notifier right 
See, I'm I'm concerned about missing calls or something when it doesn't ring. Right. Well, it's yeah, vibing on your wrist. That's the answer. I've, I've got to learn to use my wrist more. Yeah, Respond it vibes on your wrist, and and when it's a call, like when it when it's um, a, a notification, you'll get a beep, beep, and that's it. When it's a call, you'll get you know, and it yeah. just keeps buzzing while it's ringing. So it's like, yeah, right. there's something going on. It, it's pretty, you know, if you don't react immediately, you're like, wait a minute, it hasn't stopped. Whereas, like me, if it's a notification, I look at it sometimes, sometimes I don't. Depends on what I'm doing, you know? Yeah. And and the only time that I have not noticed it ringing is, like, if I'm out, you know, mowing the lawn or something. Where my hands are, are you know, the lawnmower is vibrating and stuff, and I might not notice the vibration then. But other than yeah. that, it's worked yeah. fine. So. Okay, well, uh, I think I smell food. <laughs> <laughs> so that means we're done, huh? Food time. All right. I see how this goes. I see. That's right. We we, we see. The, instead of ringing, we just need to like spray scent in your face, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. You want to get a brinker to stop doing something? We need the smell of ice cream. Then we stop doing whatever we're doing and go. Okay, where's the ice cream at? That's right. <laughs> Unfortunately, ice cream doesn't have a real prominent. Uh, Smell. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And and I, to be honest, I've got enough of like a constant hay fever thing going on that probably fifty oh. percent of the time I don't smell very well just because my nose is all plugged up because of oh. you know b- between dust and pollen and stuff. I, I just yeah, that's my life. But in fact, when yeah. when COVID hit, it, it I was worried because there's times when I'm you know congested, my nose is running, and I'm sneezy. And it was like, I would, fi- yeah. you know, you're, you're walking in the grocery store and you're like, don't sneeze, don't sneeze, don't sneeze there. You know, cause if you sneeze, everybody's like looking at you like, oh my God, he's infected. And I'm like, no, 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 it's hay fever, promised. You know, you know that it, it, it's come to where we're all used to and very self-conscious about sneezing, no matter where, if anytime you're out in the public, because yeah. suddenly everybody's looking at you and they're scattering. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You try to hold it in. You feel like you're going to pop your eyeballs out. So it's like, yeah. you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Our, our well, social been, standards have really fun, uh, gotten weird. But all right, we'll wrap this up then. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. We'll be back again next week uh, for another Generation Tech. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Goodbye.